Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the government faces more questions about pandemic travel restrictions. Our government has taken decisions at the border informed by the best evidence and signs from our public health care experts. And this new uh, variant of concern is a, reading for, uh, a reason for us to take stock and inventory of where we're at relative to the pandemic, which is why we put in place the measures that we did last week. As the Omicron variant spreads, how is Canada contributing to global vaccination efforts? We have heard repeatedly from public health officials, both in Canada and around the world, and in fact from this government, that no one is safe until everyone is safe. And yet the actions of this government on the international stage have been inconsistent with that. A data set for an apology to victims of sexual misconduct in the military. It looks like the government got a plan to try to get out of this. Then I, I wonder why it's taken so long. And I wonder how much of it would have happened if they hadn't changed ministers. It's Tuesday, November 30th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. So there are lots of questions being asked about this new variant of COVID-19, Omicron, and what it means for, for Canada, what the government should do about it. Uh, should we take further measures to prevent the spread of it uh, from, uh, I mean, it's taken hold in Canada. There are cases here in Ottawa, and and uh, there will be others, of course. But what other measures should the government take to prevent the spread of it within the country and, and the potential for other people coming into the country to bring it here? Well, it was interesting yesterday to watch, you know, sort of the rolling series of reactions by governments, including Biden, and a very similar uh, theme emerged. I, I thought it was very interesting how all of the governments, Jason Kenney to, you know, the Ontario chief health minister, all of them talking about trying to get citizens not to despair. Hmm. Because I do think that um, the timing of this, this is I mean, just as people are thinking about getting back to normal, uh, you know, we've had uh, people are booking vacations for the winter, uh, doing Christmas shopping, planning gatherings with family that couldn't happen last year. So I think I, I was really intrigued by how much the politicians were taking on the role yesterday of mental health advisors to their citizens. Yeah, um, I think that's a really important point because because there is there's another health crisis uh, that that results from this, right? And it's 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 not as simple as as saying uh, let's just lock everybody down again because there are. There are huge consequences to that after almost two years now that, that people are feeling as well, right? So there, there's a complexity yeah, I, to this. Yes, and I thought it was, I was very struck by, by the politicians, whether they're at the White House or in provincial legislatures, all seeming to feel the need to, to reassure. So yeah. um, also a, another tough sell on this one too is it's time to be unselfish. Uh, that you know, there there is going to be a debate in Canada, and there's going to be a debate in everybody's houses about you know, should we be scrambling for a booster shot, or should we be seeing this as a wake up call about the global inequity in vaccines? That uh, that there is uh, there's a pressing need to get the world vaccinated because these variants are 
coming up in places where the vaccination rate vaccination rates are low. The Delta variant, we'll remember, first started getting out of control in India when their vaccination rates weren't great. And Africa, uh, you know, you can't just close off countries to the world. The vaccines have to get there. So uh, I, I noticed questions in the comments yesterday were less about booster shots for Canadians and more about global, in, global inequity. But yeah. I do think that conversation is, is, you know, I'll admit I went on line yesterday looking for what was going on with booster shots. Ontario hinted yesterday it's, um, it's going to widen uh, the eligibility for, for booster shots for people too. So again, that's the, the, it's the weighing up of panic, despair, and, and then asking us to, uh, to think about others first. You know, it is the season for that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's also the, the season for people really, really wanting to get back to normal. Yeah, that's, those are some great points. And, and I want to explore that last point further because, um, I have to admit, uh, you know, I've I've been monitoring, uh, I've been more likely to monitor the local number here in Ottawa, the national number in Canada, uh, rather than the international number or the specific numbers in other countries. So when I started looking around yesterday at, at some of the vaccination rates in African countries and elsewhere, I was surprised by how low it was. I wasn't aware of that. It wasn't something I was paying close attention to. And obviously, uh, there, 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 there is benefit to having, for example, 90% of a community uh, fully vaccinated, but, but we're not going to eliminate COVID-19 if there are places in the world where only 25% of people are vaccinated. So is it not incumbent upon Canada and other countries to make sure that the vaccines are available in Africa and elsewhere? And you saw Biden really pressing that home yesterday, too, and saying, don't worry, we're not locking down here in the United States, but we are going to up our game on uh, on getting vaccines to the rest of the world. And I think, you know, you've seen a lot of criticism of the wealthy developed nations sort of hoarding vaccines and, and not getting... I'm looking at a, a, a story right now from the Washington Post that has the entire continent of Africa to 6%. Uh, vaccination rate, which is, you know, unless you close off Africa to the rest of the world, which is where some people calling for that over the weekend, um, this thing is never going to get out of, never going to get under control. Yeah. Are you hearing that, that people are, are talking, are there politicians talking about addressing that? Uh, are, is, is there a plan to, to make sure that, that uh, it is stamped out in other countries as well? I have not, I didn't hear anything concrete yesterday from either Biden or in the back and forth in the House of Commons, but I cannot imagine that it isn't uh, one of the leading items of conversation at Cabinet when it meets today, for example, here in Canada. Yeah. Um, it was hard to imagine, interestingly, the former defense minister who was doing some of the answering on this. Hmm. In his new role as international development. Yeah. All right. Speaking of the Defense Department and and Sajjan, of course, faced a lot of criticism over the last year or so over his handling of uh, the allegations of sexual misconduct in the Canadian military. His successor as defense minister, Anita Anand, has um, set a date now for the government to apologize to victims in the Canadian Armed Forces. So tell us more about that. <laughs> 
Yes, uh, they uh, they served notice uh, yesterday that a, an apology will be coming on the military's Facebook page on December 13th. Um, and this is... Uh, I'm, this is all obviously part of a very staged process to get this under control. I find myself asking, speaking of Mr. Sajjan, how much of this would have happened or why didn't it happen when Sajjan was defense minister? You know, that um, we saw the, the there is now a permanent chief of defense staff, Wayne Eyre, uh, named last week. We've talked about the fact that um, sexual misconduct will be moving to civilian prosecution and out of the militaries. Uh, it it looks like the government uh, collectively, not just Anita Anand, uh, maybe even predating her, has got a plan to try to get out of this. Um, that I, I wonder why it's taken so long, and I wonder how much of it would have happened if they hadn't changed ministers. But um, anyway, this uh, this apology will proceed um, December 13th. I'm just... Uh, See now that the, last week was the deadline for people to launch uh, um, to join a class action lawsuit, and there were nineteen thousand of them on um, on sexual misconduct. So yeah. um, this is a way, you know, the government has said an apology is going to be part of of some kind of settlement. So one assumes there's a legal component to this too. Yeah, that, that's and and you alluded to it already. But does it, it suggest to you, as many people have been saying for some time, that uh, that Anita Anand is is one of the most competent and effective ministers uh, in the Trudeau cabinet uh, because she's taken on this very difficult file. Before that, of course, she had responsibility for vaccine procurement. Um, so uh, clearly, she's. Uh, She's one of the go-to ministers, uh, maybe the one of the only ones outside of Christia Freeland in this cabinet. It, yeah, it's uh, her star has definitely risen. See, this is a very different job, um, yeah. procuring vaccines, and um, you know, this is um, this is a cultural problem inside the inside the military, and I, I think the mere fact of her gender. Uh, takes her a long way too, but we are seeing that that definitely the prime minister is increasingly relying on her to um, to do the hard things, and uh, that's uh, that's good for her. We we had uh, her at our editorial board, the Toronto Star, um, oh, I guess back in the spring or even winter, and um, she she is very impressive. She she even asked to stay longer with the star. They, um, we had her for an hour, and she said, I'll keep taking questions. She was um, She's pretty impressive on her feet. Hmm. All right. Great stuff, Susan. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Well, I think we need to take it very seriously. You know, this thing has rapidly taken over South Africa and is about to take over the world. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun calls for calm over the new COVID variant. The Sun writes, While some may be understandably under the impression that this new variant is much worse than previous incarnations of COVID-19, there is currently no evidence to back that up. If we do indeed find ourselves facing some version of COVID that evades vaccines and is much more problematic than what we were dealing with now, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Right now, we just don't know if that's the case. 
so we can't turn our lives upside down under the assumption that it is. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues, Omicron shows us we can't wall ourselves off from COVID-19. The Star writes, The emergence of the Omicron variant is a giant I-told-you-so moment for the world. It should strike home particularly hard in countries like Canada, which have lavished resources on vaccinating their own people while leaving poorer parts of the world to struggle. Now the inevitable is happening. With the vast majority of people in most countries still unvaccinated, the virus has mutated yet again. Omicron is the result, and we can only hope it turns out not to be as formidable a foe as some experts fear. In the Hill Times, Tom Lukiewski argues Aaron O'Toole should confront his dissidents head-on and call an immediate leadership review. Lukiewski writes, Instead of playing whack-a-mole with individual dissidents, O'Toole should confront the larger problem head-on by calling for an immediate confidence vote in his leadership. My bet is that he would easily win a vote like that. If he did, the rebels would have no option but to shut up. And then at long last, the Conservative Party might be able to take the first steps in building the culture of loyalty and teamwork that they need to win elections. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will chair the Cabinet meeting and attend question period. He will also take part in the debate on the address in reply to the speech from the throne before speaking with the Secretary-General of the United Nations. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend the Cabinet meeting and question period. She will also speak virtually with the Premier of Yukon. Immigration Minister Sean Fraser will travel to Guatemala to meet with the UN High Commissioner for Refugees and representatives from Central American countries and the United States. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will speak with the media ahead of question period. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, November 30th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC. For coverage of all the day's events, our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.